Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. The Prolific Writer Podcast, episode number 104. Today, I am going to dissect one of my own novels, and hopefully you and I will learn something from it. Let's go. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well, so you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping you write fast, often, and well help you get unstuck because you have a message to tell and a story to, to share. And I'm so glad that you are here. My name is Ryan J. Pelton and I am your host. This is my podcast. So, hey, if you found us maybe for the first time, so glad you're here. If you've been a long time listener, long time fellow prolific writer, so glad that you're here wherever you found us, however you found us. Yeah, let's let's settle in. We're, we're going to do something a little crazy today. And you're just going to hear my voice today, which happens sometimes, and do a little bit of a longer show. I'm uh, going to have some great interviews uh, next week and the following weeks. But I wanted to do something which I got an idea from someone else that I thought was really great. And they actually took one of their own books and kind of talked through the process of writing the book, where they were at, things like that. And I want to do something very similar, because not because I want to promote my book uh, and hey, you're feel free to, to buy it, but I want to talk through it of what works, what doesn't work, where I was at in the process, because I think there's some things you can learn about your own writing process, uh, where you're at in your writing journey, whatever you're creating, whatever you're making, and just kind of talk through that a little bit, what worked, what didn't work, the things I learned, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so I'm going to do that today. We're just going to kind of do a little book dissecting, if you will a little booky dissection, if you will. And hopefully you can learn something from it. I'm going to learn something from it, just kind of talking through this, working through this. And it, I think it'll be a fun exercise. And I, I think I'm going to incorporate some of these uh, down the road 
just dissecting, looking at, I have about 17 books. And so, you know, I'm not going to obviously do, I'm just going to do one today, but, um, but I think it's just a, a good thing to kind of reflect and think of, you know, where were you at? What, what worked, what didn't work and, and what, what, what could you learn from the process? How have you gotten better? Things like that. So hopefully you will enjoy that. Now, before we get into that, just a couple uh, housekeeping things, thingy one. Uh, hey, if you have anyone that you would like to bring on the show uh, or author, publisher, prolific writer, uh, someone you're just burning for me to uh, talk to, desiring me to talk to, please shoot, shoot me an email, uh, Ryan at the prolific writer.net. I'll put it in the show notes. Love to have them on the show. Thanks for everyone who does reach out and gives me uh, author suggestions and, and even topic suggestions. If there's things you want me to engage, talk about uh, maybe in a more expansive way, love to do that. So let me know. Also thingy too, if you'd like to leave a rating review on iTunes, it really helps out the show. That'd be awesome. And, uh, also thingy three, if you are interested in the 45 day novel course, um, I know I've been talking about this ad nauseum and I, I apologize, but it is a work in progress and ran into a few scheduling things and some technical things, uh, hopefully got those sorted out, but, but in the next two to four weeks, I know that's depending on when you listen to this may of 2019, two to four weeks. We will have the 45 day novel course available. And, but if you'd like to stay apprised on that and be part of the list, there's a VIP list on our website. Just join that list. You'll kind of know all the happenings going on, uh, on the podcast, the articles, all the stuff coming out. So you will be apprised uh, when the course does come out. And then I'm going to have a, a special list for those that just want to sign up specifically for the 45 day novel course. And the 45 day novel course is really my blueprint. So step-by-step blueprint on how to write, edit, market, and publish your book. I should say publish and market your book in 45 days or less, even with a day job. And uh, it's something that I've been really working on something. I've gotten a lot of feedback from you and things you're looking for of, you know, finding time to write. How do you edit? How do you write? How do you tell a story? How does your, you know, if your story's any good, how do you market the thing? How do you publish the thing? And I'm going to kind of, uh, give you a course where I can deep dive into that. And there's gonna be a lot of other cool bonuses with that, uh, to even pick my own brain and others, uh, to help you along the journey, wherever you are. So hopefully that will serve you in a million ways. That's all I'm going to say about that. So what we're going to do today is dissect my very first novel, which, and this is kind of funny, even at the time, uh, had a different title, which was called reborn. Uh, but the title title now is Hired Gun. So if you go on Amazon or other bookstores, you'll see Hired Gun. That's the, the title now. And I'll get into that, why I changed the title. Uh, but this was my very first novel, completed novel. And I, w- I want to give you a little, little history of this because I, I think this is insightful for you. And uh, because it's my experience, it's probably similar to your experience because most of our human experiences are the same. Uh, but back in 2012, I did the National Novel Writing Month, which is write a novel every November, uh, thousands and now hundreds of thousands of people try to write a 50,000 word rough draft of a novel in one month. So 30 days, 1,667 words per day, uh, finish novel, I should say rough draft novel in November. And so I got wind of this and I thought this was a great idea because I started to kind of pick up writing some more fiction, uh, some short stories with some friends and trying to write some other stuff. And I had already uh, published some nonfiction stuff. And really that was kind of my, my sweet spot. Um, you know, I'd been blogging for years, been publishing some nonfiction work, um, and said, you know what? I really love telling stories. That's, that's kind of where I started writing it. it I just, it's all, I, I read a lot of fiction and I said, you know what? I'd love to write a novel. So 2012, I tried doing national novel writing month and fizzled out after about 20,000 words. 
So it didn't happen. I had this idea of a, of a book. It just didn't go anywhere. I didn't know what I was doing and I got frustrated and it died after probably about two weeks in. So 2012, no go. Now 2013 came around and I had this idea for a book. So I'm going to give you a little bit of insight into how the, even the idea came, uh, because I think ideas are everywhere and you can find them everywhere and it doesn't have to be profound and it doesn't have to be, you know, fell from heaven, but just kind of paying attention to your life, paying attention to what, what you're excited about or what have you. And I had been watching a lot of justified. And so this is 2013 and justified was a show on Fox that, um, or FX that was, uh, just a great premise of a show and some great actors. If you've, I think it's still on Amazon and, and Netflix, maybe even on Netflix now, but, uh, it's a great show. It's based on some stories that Elmore Leonard wrote, uh, Raylan Givens, uh, some short stories and some longer stuff that he wrote and they made a show out of it. And it's kind of set in the West, in West Virginia, um, in Kentucky. It's a small town crime show with drugs and, and small town families and kind of backwoods stuff. And, and I really just love the, the premise of the show. Raylan Givens is like this guy who, who's a state marshal who, who's kind of has grown up in this area and he's been shipped off back to this area. And, and he's kind of, you know, the, the head honcho there and a lot of just crime and stuff going down. And I just love the premise of the show. And so I was watching a lot of that and going, yeah, this is great. Well, I live in Missouri and I thought, you know, what would it be like to do a crime book, uh, action, adventure, thriller, mystery, kind of crime book, all match that kind of get together. I'll talk a little bit more about that later, but uh, kind of with this, this justified vibe that I liked the idea of small town. I liked the idea of backwoods. I liked the idea of, you know, what goes on that doesn't make the, the front page news. Cause it's small town, you know, every crime story that you read set in LA or New York or big, big cities, you know, we assume, Oh, well, that's all the crime happens, but it was intriguing the way justified kind of told that story. And so that was kind of the premise of the idea. Now here's another piece of the idea, which is hilarious, at least now when I think about it is, American pickers. And so if you've ever watched that show, that's a reality show on the history channel where these two guys go to the backwoods of essentially the United States and they pick antiques. And so they find kind of old rusted out, you know, gas pumps and signs and, and furniture and stuff. And they, they make deals uh, with the, the locals there. And then they, they buy the, the antiques and they go back to their store in Iowa and then they sell the, the antiques. And do pretty well. It's a great show, American Pickers. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. So I thought, well, what if I mash the, those two ideas together? What if there's like this small town crime, and then these, these antique dealers, and then and then what if the the antique dealer somehow became became this kind of assassin, this this you know hitman, if you will. And that was kind of the premise of my series, which now has five books called The Antique Assassin. Uh, and that's the the actual series, and that's where Reborn, which was the name of the title, began in, for my first novel. Was just taking these kind of silly ideas and saying, what would it look like to have a small town, ordinary guy, antique collector who becomes this hitman? And again, I didn't know how that was going to happen. I didn't know all the backstory. I didn't even know his name, which is Dexter O'Kane now, um, and di didn't know any anything else. Uh, now he has a friend, uh, John Wood who's in the story, which, uh, you know, is kind of picking up from American pickers, these two guys, you know, I, I like their interaction, you know, they're both very different people. Uh, so I thought, you know, maybe I could play with that a little bit. Um, but again, the, the whole point is not to, it's not an American picker story. It's not justified. It's very, very different set in total, different fictional town, different situation and what have you. So, so that's a little bit of the, the origin story of, 
the national novel writing novel that I tried to write in 2013. And, and so I just set out to, that was kind of the, the, the thread of the story and the idea. And I had a little bit of an outline and some ideas, but not a whole lot. And I just kind of, kind of ran with it. And so before I get into, uh, more insight into the the novel is I want to actually read a little bit of the novel. Okay. I'm just going to, uh, I'm going to read the first page and then I'm going to pick just a random page. I think this will be a good exercise just to, just to kind of see. And, and I want, I want to tell you something that's, that's really fascinating. Before I read this, I won't read a ton of it, but is I have no idea what this says. Uh, I don't, when I write a book, uh, when it's done, you've lived with it for so long. I don't look at it again. Um, I don't, I don't read my own books. I don't, you know, for fun. And that's a little writer secret. Most people don't. So I have no idea, you know, where this is going and it'll refresh my memory a little bit, but you, you know, you edit this thing, you polish this thing back and forth with editors. It was years ago. I mean, I, I wrote this thing in 2013 and just 2019 now. So a long time ago. Um, and also what also happened with this book in particular is it took me two years to edit it. I didn't actually finish it. Now I didn't spend two years actually editing it. Um, but I came back to it two years later cause I didn't think it was good enough. And, uh, I just had a lot of insecurities and, uh, got a good editor and we kind of worked on it and kind of cleaned it up. So, uh, so it was a long process. I'll talk a little bit more about that in, in a moment. So here's chapter one, antique assassin reborn, which actually is now called hired gun. Death and rain mingled together. Drops of water bounced off a sea of black umbrellas that shot upward like skyscrapers. I shifted in my uncomfortable wooden chair, surrounded by hundreds of people listening to the pastor on the outdoor lawn. A large black casket, perched like a gargoyle, hovered over its eventual home, a silent hole waiting to embrace her victims. Next to the larger one, a smaller box elbowed in, a size reserved for premature death. I looked up hard, trying to fight off tears. The echoing of the pastor's voice was muted by small outbursts of weeping as the death boxes lowered into the ground. Outside, shells, inside, souls, the hope of a meager, I should say, the hope of a merger in heaven. I scratched my unshaven face, shifted to the side, and felt the wood stabbing my lower back. A five o'clock shadow was a reminder of two truths. I hate shaving most days, and when your family dies, it's not a high priority. The flood of emotion choked my insides, hitting me like a truck plowing through a deer on the highway. I tried to breathe in normal time with little luck. I bowed my head. Tears dripped onto the grass, keeping time with the pounding rain. My church shoes reserved for Christmas, Easter, and occasional funeral were soaked with water and sadness. Why, God? I breathed through the tears. A large, warm arm wrapped around my slouching shoulders. I'm sorry, brother. It's not right, John said, stroking the back of my black suit. John Wood is my best friend, partner in crime from life's first breath. The Wood and O'Kane families lived close together for most of their existence in LeClaire, Missouri, a small blue-collar town spattered with a few immigrants, my family included. The O'Kanes have emigrated from Ireland when my grandparents determined the lack of jobs would be a problem. They came to America in the 50s looking for the American dream. They found their slice of the pie in LeClaire. My grandfather, a meat man, butcher, to be correct, operated a store on the corner of Maine and Green. He worked hard, serving the people of LeClaire with beef, pork, and sausage. Many tables in our town were adorned with a sticker reading, Little Local Pig. I stared at my tear-stained hands and peered into John's bloodshot eyes. Did I do something wrong? Why is this happening? I said, leaning back in the wooden folding chair. Wow, that's, that's not bad. That's not bad. Now, to be honest, I... I I barely remember most of this. Um, 
this opening opening chapter and uh it's just really fun to to read this again but so a couple things here like again i know people say you know a first line is really really important and i kind of like this first line death and rain mingled together because right away there's some intrigue there right there there's okay what's this death death and rain that's kind of kind of weird and you know you, you find as you read kind of that first few paragraphs is that it's a funeral and you know what has happened is De- dexter kane is you know if you keep reading the book and the story dexter's lost his family his wife and his kid were killed in a car accident and that kind of feeds into the story uh later um, but you get a little little sense of of dexter you get a little sense of the town you get a little sense of his family his background you know i try not to d- dump too much of that in there uh and and who he is and, and what's going on. And, and as you kind of read through that first chapter, you get, you know, John enters the story. Who's another main character. Um, you know, it's good to bring in those characters as quickly as you can, if you can. Um, but, but I, you know, I really, uh, want to talk a little bit about just kind of where I was when I wrote this story, because I think this is important. It's, it's not just what words are on the page or, you know, what influences, you know, you had, if it's, you know, justified or American pickers or what have you. Um, but, but, you know, uh, in 2009, our second daughter, Samantha passed away. Uh, she only lived four days and it was a really painful time of life. And so I started writing this, I think, you know, end of 2012, 2013. And I had this story, you know, realizing as I was writing this story and not sure the backstory of Dexter and his family and the, and the kind of the, the impetus of the story was I realized later, and I can say this now years later is I was really writing this story to kind of deal with my own pain of losing my own daughter. Um, in the story, it, it, he has a son who dies. It's not his daughter. Um, but it was just, it, I kind of brought that into the emotion of the story. And it's a pretty heavy story on that, that regard. Like there's a lot of action and adventure and crime and killing and stuff like that. But um, like most mysteries do, but, um, but that wasn't the point. The point was this guy dealing with the loss of his family. And uh, also in the story, he's also, his antique business isn't going well because of losing his family and just dealing with that and making some bad decisions. So it's a very emotional book and it's a very painful book. And that was something I also wanted to kind of bring into the story. Uh, I, I feel like a lot of you know thrillers and mysteries and crime stories, they can be kind of wooden and kind of hollow. Like there's just not a lot of, you know, humanity or realness to the characters. They're just kind of doing stuff and shooting people and stuff. And I really wanted to bring that out in Dexter. Now he's a goof and he's funny. And so is John and they're backwoods kind of folk and they have a lot of fun. So that's, that's all there too. There's a lot of humor. So I kind of lighten it that way. Uh, and, and so it was just a, a, a very therapeutic uh, book to write. And, and for some of us that are li- listening to the show, it's like, that's the novel that's in you. And that's the story you're trying to tell that it's really a lot of you. And that was a lot of me coming out in that. And I realized even in this series, a couple other books that I have in the series were me wrestling with some family issues and also, uh, some injustice issues that, um, th- that I feel like aren't talked about enough with race and things. And so I kind of brought that in the story, just my kind of working that out through fiction, which I find very, very, uh, therapeutic. Now, a couple of things with, with, Reborn, which later be- became Hired Gun. Uh, I'm looking at a copy. <laughs> this is kind of funny. Uh, I have a pen name. And so I, when I first wrote this book, uh, my pen name was Ryan Bennett. Um, it's my name and then my uh, youngest son's uh, name and thought that'd be a cool pen name. And and really, you know, the pen name was just I, I'd written a, a bunch of nonfiction and was out in the world and just didn't want to confuse readers. Well, here's some fiction. And um, I've since now I just write with uh, my normal name, Ryan J. Pelton. Sorry, I was stumbling over my words. 
and switched that a few years ago. And I just came to this point in my life. Well, one, I, I think I was just so insecure and that was really part of it is why I did a pen name. I don't think it had anything to do with actually confusing readers and things like that. Like, Hey, they understand one's fiction, one's nonfiction. Maybe they're very different. And, and I make that very clear the way I kind of market and kind of talk about my books, but, but yeah, it was just, I think insecurity, you know, is this any good? You know, if I just put on a pen name, nobody will read it. No one will know who it's me. And, and you just kind of do that incognito thing. And, you know, I'm just going to give you a real personal thing because I don't really give a rip about, you know, market and, you know, it, am I supposed to write under a pen name so I can sell more books and, you know, you're going to confuse the readers people are smarter than you give them credit. I think it's actually an indictment on us when we think, you know, readers can't figure out, oh, he writes nonfiction this and he writes, you know, fiction in this, uh, oh, they're not different people. And, and I think I want to be as authentic as I can. I want to be my true self. And, and so as I've gotten better at, at writing and storytelling is I just want to be Ryan Pelton. Like that's me. And, and I write fiction and I write nonfiction and I write about spiritual stuff and I write about fiction stuff. That's not spiritual stuff, but it might have some spiritual elements in it. Um, but it's not necessarily Christian fiction or anything like that. Uh, I just want to tell good stories and write good books that help people wherever they're at. Um, and so I have to be okay with that. And I, I felt like I was kind of hiding behind a pen name. I had another website and, and all that. And it wasn't that I was trying to be someone else by any means. Um, but I realized that there's no point in that. And I think in our, our day and age, I know people debate this all the time. But if you can't write stuff that you're proud of and you can't write stuff that's really you and you have to kind of hide behind a pen name or you're just trying to do a quick cash grab, I, I just think we need to kind of reevaluate what we're creating and why we're creating it. Um, and so, so a few years after this, I, I switched the branding to Ryan J. Pelton and that's just me and switched the name. Uh, felt like the name, the title really fit the book a little bit better. Um, the first three books had all R's in it. So it was like reborn return and I don't know, re something else. So I changed all those kind of had new titles, uh, that really, I think fit the book a little bit better and also had the, the covers redesigned to fit kind of the theme and the tone of the, of the book as well. Um, and so those are a couple of things too, that, that one of the gifts that you have as an indie publisher is that, Hey, you can change the titles. You can change the, the covers, which I did. Uh, and you know, it was a pain and it took, some time, but, but it was totally worth it. And I think it helped, it's helped with sales. It's helped with getting people out there and, and, and just kind of knowing what the books are and what they're about. Uh, and, and also, uh, w one of my favorite, uh, series of books is happen Leonard, which is by, um, Joe R. Lansdale and happen Leonard is kind of these kind of crime story event, action adventure stories, kind of small town guys too. And, and I liked some of the, the tone of, of the covers and design and things like that. So that really kind of helped me think through like, this isn't your typical, you know, John Grisham type legal thriller. This isn't, you know, uh, James Patterson, big city crime kind of novel, you know, or, or, uh, Michael Connelly, Harry Bosch, like these are small town guys and, and antique collectors. And so I wanted to make sure that the cover really reflected kind of the nature of the story too. And there's some humor in it and things like that. So even the fonts that I chose for the new covers really helped kind of capture that. And, and some of that's just research. Some of that's just seeing what's out there um, and kind of thinking through that and, you know, getting feedback from even readers and things. Um, and, and, and so another thing that I was thinking about and maybe this will help you too, is, you know, what is, what is the book like? I mean, wh what is it, you know, how is it designed? Like, how does it read? Uh, and what do I mean by that? Well, there was a very strategic thing that, um, I did with these books and I still do with these books is I try to write short chapters and that move really fast. Um, and that was very intentional. One of my, uh, favorite books that I read 
almost 20 years ago now, which is crazy to think about that is, is James Patterson had a book is in this uh, series that I love. It has these four women in San Francisco, I think the murder club and I, I forget, uh, but you know, one's like a journalist and one's a, uh, 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 or one's a journalist. One, one's a doctor, I think, and one's a investigator or whatever. And uh, they, you know, solve crimes in San Francisco. And I picked up a book in an airport, and uh, I think it was the first one in the series called First Murder, I think. Uh, I could be could be wrong. But anyway, I picked up this book, and I had a, a red-eye flight from L.A. to New York. And I needed some something to kill the time. And I was like, hey, I love to read. Pick up a new novel. And I read this James Patterson book. almost finished it in the first leg of the, 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 uh, the flight from L.A. to New York. And what I loved about it, and I had never seen this in a book. I mean, again, this is like almost 20 years ago. Uh, is he wrote, he writes really short chapters. And, and what I liked about that was their f- action fast paced to the point, not a lot of fluff, not a lot of detail, kind of let the, the reader kind of engage. And I just kept flipping the pages and I liked that. I felt like I was making progress and I didn't want to put it down. And, and so I was kind of going for that with my antique assassin series is short chapters, um, you know, 700 to a thousand words, not super long, that just keeps the action moving almost like cliffhangers, every page, just, just move, 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 move. And that's very intentional. That's not because that's just my style. That's just, that's actually what I was thinking about as I wrote these things. And so I think, uh, antique assassin, the first book hired gun has, um, I think like 60 chapters, I believe. So let me check here. Yep. 60 chapters. So, you know, it's a thousand words or so, uh, per chapter, 700,000. So it's, you know, it's a 55,000, 60,000 word novel. Um, and, and I also thought, you know, I, I am a busy guy. I have a lot of kids and I have responsibilities and a lot of other things going on. I don't just write books. Um, and I, I want the reader experience to be a good one. And so I just thought, you know, that, that length is just perfect. That's why I like national novel, write a month, 50,000 word novel is beautiful in our time and age. You know, someone can read on their phone, someone can, you know, two or three, four sittings, you're done. Um, but you can tell a great story with that amount. So, you know, I thought 55 to 60 would be a perfect amount of words. And, and really that's the feedback I've gotten too, is like the short chapters that just keep moving and it's an exciting read. And that's what it's supposed to be. Like that's the, the nature of the book. And again, that was intentional. And again, I didn't obsess over that, but that's kind of what I wanted it to be. I didn't want it to be this a hundred thousand word tome that nobody would ever finish, but I, I wanted them to kind of get through the, the story and enjoy the story and say, Hey, a couple rides on the train, you know, uh, a couple of evenings, they'll be done and they can move on to the next one. And, uh, and I've still been doing that with, I think after book five in the series, they're all, they're all about that length with the same kind of style. So something to think about, you know, what do you want your book to be? It's not just, you know, what, what's the characters doing. And of course you want to tell a good story. That's the most important thing, but the design of it, you know, is it short chapters, long chapters, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So something to think about. Uh, the other thing is, you know, this is where I was at in my writing journey. So I know it's not the best book ever written. And, you know, some people have le- left some not so nice reviews. I can live with that. But, you know, that's that's just where I was. Like, this was my, my very first completed full-length novel. And I'm so glad I did it. And it, I think it came out great. And I love the story. And, and again, I'm biased because I wrote it. I've gotten great feedback on it as well. It is what it is. But, you know, that was 2012, 2013. It's where I was at the time. I've gotten better as a storyteller. I understand the craft a little bit better. I've, I've written millions of words since then. I, I've written, you know, um, what, nine or 10, 11 novels now and, and more nonfiction books. And so there's, there's 
some practice that's happened there. And I was just so excited to have it done. And, and, and so my encouragement is wherever you are, that's just where you're at. So don't obsess over that book. That's, I mean, that's partly why I haven't read this thing till I just read it to you. Uh, because it's done. It's where I was. It's who I was. I had a certain amount of ability and I did the best I could at that time. Um, but I also will say is because I was so insecure and let it sit on my hard drive for two years was it actually was better than I realized it, it was, I didn't give it enough credit because, um, it, 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 again, insecurity, it's like, well, obviously it can't be any good. It's, it's a first draft, you know, it's a mess and, and, and it was a mess. And I, and I will say this, one of the things I have learned since then is why I edit as I go, uh, is because of that first draft of reborn, that it was such a mess that when I went back to edit it, I just, it was just really hard to kind of be motivated. And it was such a mess, you know, such a mess that I just said, you know, forget it. I'm just going to let it sit. And then, you know, two years went by before I got an editor and kind of really chopped it up and made it something worth reading. And so, um, so that's a learning thing that, that was like, Hey, my process, that doesn't work. I can't, you know, take five years to write one book, you know, especially it's not, you know, it's a 60,000 word book. It's not like it's a, you know, 600,000 word, um, and, and kind of cleaning it up as I go. And that was just something I had to learn for future novels that if I was going to finish these things, I needed to kind of edit as I go, clean up as I go and kind of work on the story as I go in my most creative state of mind. So, so that was a learning thing. Um, and also is the other thing is you are the worst, um, critic and you are the worst, uh, reviewer of your own work that what you think is terrible to someone else is a great book and one they love. And I've had great feedback. I've had emails, you know, I helped a woman get through a surgery, you know, just cause it was a fun read and she didn't want to keep her mind off some stuff. Um, you, the problem is you live with your books way too long. And again, you think they're terrible because you're editing it, you're polishing it, you're staring at it. You're going, Oh, this is terrible, da, da, da. but you're way too close to it. So you just have no idea what it really is and how people are going to respond to it. And I think every book I've written, I've probably thought the same thing. And that's because you dance with it for so long and you, you, you poke it, you prod it. Maybe it didn't come out the way you thought it was, or it went a total different direction. You go like, I don't know if people are going to like it. I don't know if it's any good. Um, but you do your best and you get it out there. And I think that's, that's really, really important. Um, and so, yeah, just, there's just a lot of things to think about. Like, you know, going back to your old stuff and going like, this is where I was, this is who I was. This is what I was dealing with. And every book's going to have that tone. Sometimes it's going to be, you know, me just dealing with something, um, you know, thinking through your design, your editing, your covers, you know, all that. Again, I didn't know anything. My very first cover, I think with antique assassin, um, was, I think I did myself, which wasn't a good idea. Um, and then I got some pre-made covers that were really cheap and, and those worked for a time and then, you know, got better at cover design and got some help with that. So, uh, change those up. Um, and again, those are just, just things that you can do. You can give new life to your books. Um, but also I would say just, just leave them behind. Like it's, it's fine. Like move on. Right. Uh, you know, these are six, seven years ago. It's fine. Like, you know, you have new stories to tell, you have new ideas. Uh, you, you know, maybe they need a little cleanup. They need a little, you know, maybe get that backlist going, change the cover, change the title, whatever. Uh, maybe that's what you need. But, but the reality is the best thing you can do is write the next thing and, uh, and get better by practicing with the next, the next book. Um, so I'm going to read, uh, I'm just going to read a little bit more and I'll critique myself. How about I'll go to the back. I realize this is actually a proof copy. So I actually had to change a few things in here by hand, which is made a little marks in here. 
um, after I got back from the editor. So um, how about here? Chapter 40. I leaned against the leather seat in my truck, watching blurry objects pass before my eyes. Marijuana ran through my system, giving me a moment of calm. I decided to check in with John and see how he was doing. Hey, big fella. How are things? John could hear the extra happiness in my voice. Best friends for life make it hard to get away with anything. You been smoking again, hippie? Maybe, I said with a giggle. I called to see how things went with Maria. Did you melt her? Come on, man. She's a friend. Show a little respect. I'm going to blame the pot and let you off the hook on that one, John said. Sorry. Yes, I took care of it. Did you at least call Maria's mother to let her know she's missing? I don't want cops swarming around us until we get the killer, John asked. I slammed my head against the steering wheel, almost causing my truck to run off the road. Oh, shit. I totally forgot. I will call her later. I need this buzz to wear off. Are you doing anything tonight? Cleaning my house of remnants of melted body parts. You know, just another day in the life of a mad scientist, John said. So this chapter, I do kind of remember this, that the characters kind of take this dark turn and, and someone they work with actually ends up getting killed um, by this killer they're trying to stop. And, and I took a little homage from uh, from Breaking Bad and they had to kind of you know burn her body, melt her body so that uh, they wouldn't find her and, and cause the cops to come looking around because they're trying to stop this killer on their own. And, uh, and, you know, one of the things I, as I read that, I, I can see a little bit of the dialogue's not that great. Uh, some of the interaction, like it's fine. It kind of reveals story and, but it's a little bit, a little bit wooden, a little bit hard to read. And, um, you know, it could be a little bit smoother. And, and again, just, just another learning thing It's you know, every book you do, it's like getting better at dialogue. I think by reading books and watching good shows and movies, you kind of pick up dialogue and what's natural and what sounds good and what, you know, is kind of, you know, uh, important in a book, how it kind of reveals action, reveals character, whatever. Um, but yeah, that's one thing I know when I read, you know, that book and, and I know some of my early stuff is, is just the dialogue is like working on that, getting better at that. Um, and those kinds of things. So, so it's another, just, just thing, you know, to learn, you know, as a storyteller, again, I, I think, um, showing the pain of people and how they deal with that. So, what I know, remember of Dexter, he, you know, kind of starts smoking weed and to try to just deal with his depression and his, his pain. And I guess it was something he did in, in his past kind of revisits that. Um, but that's just a way to kind of reveal like this guy's in a bad spot. Um, it, it's not saying, Hey, he's in a bad spot. It's showing that he's in a bad spot, you know, and, and how John doesn't like it, you know, calls him a hippie. And I remember that in the story too. And they're kind of upset because he's kind of going off the deep end. And, and yet that's, that's what makes for good story intention is making your characters flawed, making them people that aren't just like, Oh, everything's great and everything's fine. Cause obviously this guy has lost his family and he's lost everything and he's losing his, his business and, and what have you. And so, so kind of painting him in this picture of a guy who's really, really struggling is really, really important and just kind of the ups and downs of that. So again, I don't do it perfectly in that book. Uh, there's much to despise of this book. Uh, there's much to learn from this book, but you know, it's your first shot and it's something that you're, you're trying to do. It's something you're trying to grow into. It's something you're, you're trying to, uh, learn from. And that is one thing that I've learned from uh, future novels and ones I wrote after that was just building that tension and, and building just a very flawed characters uh, and how they uh, act based on those flaws, because that's why we read stories. What's going to happen? What, you know, how is it going to get better? Are they going to get what they want? You know, those kinds of things. Um, and a c- couple other things is, you know, 
this is 2013, you know, when I write this, you know, it, I didn't think it got published till 2015, you know, and then, so one of the questions, you know, when I think about this is like, what do you do with negative reviews? Um, and, and there's a couple things here. One is just knowing where you're at at the time when you wrote the book. Okay. First novel, like again, not high expectation here. Um, you know, some negative reviews, but you know, the, the problem with the reviews too, and, and why you don't need to obsess over them is sometimes these reviews aren't helpful. They don't really tell you anything, you know, it's like, Oh, well, this book was boring. Okay. But, but that's, I mean, again, that's the eye of the beholder. Um, you, you know, what, okay. How was it boring? Where was it boring? You know, what have you? And I mean, you could at least learn from that. Um, and, and so, you know, if you're gonna look at reviews, look at the ones that are kind of middle of the road, you know, three star two, you know, uh, two star, one star, um, you know, four and five stars, eh, they don't really help you that much. Um, you know, Hey, I like the book. It was great. Here's why. Um, that's fine. Uh, but you know, you also have to just be confident in your own storytelling and say, Hey, this, this book, maybe it just wasn't for you. Uh, and that's fine. Um, you know, people put negative reviews cause it, they didn't like the shipping or, you know, the packaging was, was bad or, you know, you said a bad word or what have you like that doesn't to me say, well, the book isn't worth reading cause it had a, a bad word in it. Uh, you know, tell me more. Right. Uh, so, so with, with reviews, don't obsess over reviews. Um, even as you get better, um, you know, reviews don't teach you that much. Some random person that, you know, just having a bad day, you don't know their story too. It doesn't mean your books are perfect. You can learn from them, but but you know what? I, I just think it's it's just time to move on to the next thing and not worry about those things and not let those things dictate, you know, who you are as a writer and as a storyteller and just say, you know what, maybe it's just not for you and that's fine. Uh and you know, not every book's for you. Like that's the reality is like nobody's writing to everyone. Not everybody likes Stephen King. Not everybody likes John Grisham. Not everybody likes you know you know Malcolm Gladwell or whoever your favorite nonfiction writer is, or you know these guys who sell and gals who sell millions of copies. Like I've I've read a lot of these books and I just go like I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why this is popular. Like why people enjoy this is terrible. And it's not that it's terrible in the sense of the craft or it's not well written. I mean, most books are fine, um, but it's just you know the the story, the premise, the ideas, you know whatever. Uh, too long, maybe. Um, isn't that great? So, uh, so don't, don't obsess over the reviews. You are who you were at the time, you know, and you're, you're learning, you're growing, you're evolving. Um, and, and then the other, the other thing, uh, just a little, uh, thing that I've done with this book, uh, as of late is I've gone wide with most of my books. So I'm on Amazon, but other places as well is like hired gun is a free book, um, right now. And it's a kind of a lead magnet for my other books. Uh, because you know, it's my first book and it's, it's, it is what it is. People like it. I still get good feedback. I still get sales on it. Um, but I've used it now just to, kind of because my backlist is a lot bigger is I just use it as a, as a free promo that I give it away to people. And I say, Hey, maybe you'll like this. Maybe you'll like the other books in the story. I tell people, Hey, it's my first novel. It's, it is what it is, but I think it's a good story. Uh, so enjoy. And so it, it, right now it's free. And, and another just kind of thing I've learned along the way is, and everyone debates, well, you know, free and you're just going to get bad reviews and stuff like that. I don't really care about that stuff. If I can get books in the hands of readers, that's what you're trying to do. Trying to build a, a community of people that enjoy your work and some will, some won't. And some will just stay on the hard drive and stay on the Kindle and that's fine. Uh, but I've gotten a lot of great feedback and, you know, I got thousands of these books in people's hands. Um, you know, even before free, I mean, even when it was paid, I mean, paid and free. Um, and which also has led to other books getting in the hands of people, you know, thousands of books as well. So uh, it's all just part of it. Um, being generous with it, 
And I think once you have a bigger backlist, it's a lot easier to do this. Um, and so I'd, I would encourage you to just think of ways that you can say, hey, if I got all these books, like how am I being generous? Or how can I give them away for free or cheap? Um, and, and I know people push back on that. Um, but, but I just want to be as generous as I, as I can. And if somebody's just dying to have the book and maybe they don't have the funds, Hey, here it is. Enjoy. Um, so things to think about dissecting hired gun, my first ever novel. I hope there were a few things that you could take from this experience. And I know I've taken a ton from it. Just thinking about it, reflecting on it, where I am, where I've been. Uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna do do this in the future. If if you guys like this, maybe give us some feedback. Say, hey, was this helpful or not? Uh, maybe it's something you can do with your own own work. Is maybe you have an old book and you're just like, hey, I'm gonna take a look at that because most of us don't read them. So you know, and say, yeah, what worked, what didn't work, where were you at? It's it's good to do that, and it's also good to remember and be thankful to say, hey. I did it. I, I, I wrote a, I wrote a novel and it's, it's out there in the world and I did the hard work and he, here's my, my thing. And I, I shipped it and people have enjoyed it and there's something to celebrate in there. There's some intrinsic value in just doing the work, publishing the work, sharing the work and, and just saying, Hey, here, I made this. I hope you enjoy it. And, and, and sometimes you can't put a price tag on that too. Uh, so thanks for stopping into the prolific writer today. It's been a, an honor to have you here with me. Also, as I mentioned early in the show, if you want to get on the VIP list, uh, check that out in the show notes. Uh, you can stay updated on articles and podcasts coming out and the 45-day novel course as well. And also, if you'd like to leave a rating or review on iTunes, you can do that. And one more thing is also, if you'd like to support this show and other the other 20, 21 shows on the Project Entertainment Network, you can do that through our Patreon page. And there's a lot of cool stuff on there. You can go check out all the details there. That'll be in the show notes. So, hey, this is Ryan J. Pelton. So glad to be with you this week. And before I go, I just have one more thing I need to tell you, and that is go get those words on the page. And I'll talk to you real, real soon. Every person's story has something to teach us, how others view life, how obstacles are overcome, how joy is felt, how fears are faced, how love is expressed. The Matters of Faith podcast explores individual stories of people's lives and how faith plays a part. It may not be your story, but it may help shape yours. The Matters of Faith podcast with Jay Wilburn is on Project Entertainment Network. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Project Entertainment Network. Have you tried finding tickets for any live event lately? It's impossible to keep up, and prices are crazy. That's why you have to check out Gold Star. Gold Star makes it easy to discover the best in live entertainment in your city with instant access to awesome events and special ticket deals. Concerts, live theater, comedy, dance, food fests, immersive experiences. You name it, Gold Star has access to special deals you won't find anywhere else with savings of 50% or more. Go to goldstar.com and use code DCPOD to save $10 on your first purchase. That's goldstar.com, code DCPOD, to save $10.